0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za.
1: Wandile Sillobo is an agricultural economist and Benny Sale is a general manager of Transvaal Agricultural Union of South Africa. Good evening to you both. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Good evening. Thank you.
0: Hey, good evening. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, Benny, how are you doing?
2: Uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, need The line is pretty soft. I yeah, barely hear you, but I'll try my best. We'll
1: All also right. raise it a bit on our side. Wondile. Um, let me start with you, right? What are some of the factors that are um, affecting farmers at this particular moment? And do you think, I mean, I'm asking you two questions in one, but is there a possibility or is there a food insecurity situation happening in South Africa that we may not be aware of? Okay.
0: Um, so I guess the, the, there's two or three things to to, to uh, unpack here, and, and Benny will jump in on a farmer's one. But I want to start with the most important one for the consumer, uh, just to assure fellow South Africans that over the foreseeable future from where i sit i don't see national food insecurity or crisis in south africa we have sufficient supplies of production um in all of our major commodities but of course each year depends on another season what we have now will last us at least for the next uh, year going into the second one so there, there aren't uh, uh, possibilities of of shortages of food At a national level, but of course, when you talk about food insecurity or food security, it's something that you discuss at a national level, but also at a household level. But at a household level, South Africa does have pockets of food insecurity. We all know that there's over six million South Africans that are food insecure, but that's not a question of availability or nutrition, but it's rather more of affordability in households that. I uh, basically do not have uh, income to mm-hmm. actually afford food, regardless of where the price could be. You could drop a price to five grand. If there's no income, there is no income. That will remain expensive. But then let me drift to the second point, mm-hmm. which deals with the farmer's needs. And Benny will, will, will add onto this, because he sits with major commercial farmers of South Africa where he listens um, and works to, to raise some of their concerns. But I mean, at a high level, uh, South African farmers, uh, struggle with a number of things, but I want to be clear to say with all of the challenges that we are about to highlight, they've been able to do whatever they can to ensure that we have better seasons. Uh, for example, right now we are expecting, um, a third largest maize crop in the history of South Africa. And we're expecting good crops, um, good harvest across all of the other crops and fruits. Mm. But the challenges that they do face is, of course, the one that you spoke about, which is the higher input cost. Uh, input cost prices have come down by roughly 20% uh, between now and, and, and about uh, uh, January or so this year. Uh, but, of course, they're still well above the levels that we were in uh, pre-COVID what are we talking about input? when we talk about input costs is fertilizers, herbicides, um, uh, pesticides, and all of these are things that we import. We import about 80% of our fertilizer in South Africa and 98% of our agrochemicals. So there's both domestic but largely uh, global issues that influence that. Mm. The other things that Benny will allude to, they relate more to failing municipalities in South Africa, bad road networks, Um, And all of this, they increase the transaction costs when you move the product from the farm and sending it either for exports or for processing elsewhere in the country. And of course, the issues of power utility. Um, and the issues of water infrastructure. These are all things that we could discuss but I will yield so that Benny can add about what he's observing perhaps maybe on a day-to-day basis with this side. Mm.
1: Benny, what are you what are you observing? I mean, from what you've heard from Wandile, what are the farmers really having to cope with or deal with on a daily basis?
2: Yeah, actually, thanks. I think Wandile um, gave us a very broad overview and I agree with him. Um, at this time, the reality is that each farmer is a business entity in his own right and he has a lot of challenges with his commodity to make sure that he's profitable and that is a big challenge in these days because it's not only the situation on-farm but also off-farm because they have to take his produce to market and with this um, declining and this falling apart infrastructure, it's almost sometimes impossible for farmers to get their produce um, we have a lot of extra cost only to the markets. And every time you have to add that type of thing to your produce to produce it to the consumers, it's adding cost and then your profitability um, come under pressure. So this is for us a big challenge to make sure that we keep our farmers in production. Now at this stage we have in South Africa approximately 68% of our population is urbanized. And therefore, it's very important that we have successful commercial farmers producing food for the markets. And that's not about men, women, white, black. That's not the issue. It's about successful farmers. There's a lot of farmers in all those spheres that I mentioned, and that is what they actually, all of them, all the time is evaluated by, by the market forces. And the market forces is that mechanism that evaluate you for success. If you are profitable, you will be there. If you are not profitable, the market forces will throw you off and you'll go bankrupt. So for a farmer at this stage, and the things that really mentioned is very important, the input cost running away. And the farmer is a price-taker in that side, but he's also a price-taker in his, um, when he um, delivers his produce to the market, he's also a price-taker there. So you have to cope with that type of thing. And at the end of the day, um, is quite right. Um, we have great concern about the reality of food on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our consumers in South Africa just don't have the capacity anymore to, can, to, to buy the food they need to make sure that they have nutritious food and enough food for them in their household. So this is a big challenge. And I think there's a lot of things, and we can later discuss it. The reasons for this, I think we sometimes discuss the symptoms of our problems. But I think we should actually address the reasons why do we have these type of symptoms that bring a lot of problems to our um, citizens in this country. Because, uh, I just want to stop with this last Mm
3: -hmm. quote, and
2: that is that I think the biggest asset that our country can have is our producing farmers. Um, They produce food, and you can realize if you don't have food not anymore on the tables, They will be for sure anarchy and that is what we have to try to prevent. Mm. So it's crucial for our country to keep our farmers in production and therefore that is a challenge that the farmers have to address. But it's not only about input cost and market and infrastructure, it's also safety issues. Because of the unemployment and the and poverty that is running away in our country, um, we have a lot of crime going around and um, stealing the produce from farmers cattle theft, produce from the lands, Mm -hmm. um, the maize, um, everything, and and that is for us a big problem as well. So at the end of the day, when you want to harvest, you actually have lost a lot of these um, profits already, and that makes it very difficult for a farmer to bring his own own enterprise into a balanced situation of success, and that is very important for all of us to make sure that we keep our farmers in production.
1: You know, Benny, I wonder what has been the impact of lo- what the impact of load shedding has been on the farming community, on the agricultural community. Um, we do know that, of course, the power cuts have got quite a devastating um, outcome for small businesses. But what has it been like for farmers and and the impact of load shedding specifically?
2: Yeah, thank you for that question. I think South Africa paid a very, very intensive and heavy price for this, especially our farmers. It all depends on what commodity he is busy with. If you look into the irrigation system, and there's just a breakdown of one cycle of his irrigation, he lost already some produce, so his yield will be, immediately will be lesser than it should be. The other problem is all the, all the farmers that produce food in the cold chain. We think about our dairy farms, meat, and the, our fruit, Vegetables. Those people that want to export, because that's very really important for us, um, they cannot actually do it anymore sufficiently, because the support of um, um, very sound and um, efficient electricity is not there anymore. So the impact of of the, the, the breakdown of electricity is a big problem. When you talk to our wives in Pretoria, they mention that way back before we have this load shedding. They can buy from the stores um, some um, fruit or vegetables and it will stay 10 to 12 days fresh in their refrigerators. Now if they buy, it, they say after two, three days we lost it because somewhere down, down the line the cold chain was broken and that is not good. So the effect of, of um, power shedding um, is for everyone very bad especially for our consumers because they don't get enough fruit and that is fresh anymore and all the other stuff as well. But then for the farmers, the profitability is under great pressure because of that. So for us, one of the big issues is now electricity. And we work almost around the clock to get solutions to see how can we overcome it. And our problem is that I don't think, and this is a pity, I don't think that ESCOM will be the solution in future. Um, because they, in my viewpoint, and I, I I hope I'm wrong, but in my viewpoint, I don't think they address the reality of expertise, bring the right people to the right um, table to make sure that they make the best, um, to create the best outcome for electricity supply and generation and the distribution. And there's a lot of problems in their side as well. Mm. The distribution lines from the Cape up to Pretoria, is of not such a nature that it can cope with all the electricity that they can generate down in the cave with the sun and the wind um, um, generation. So there's a lot of other problems as well to make sure that we can balance out the whole situation. And in the meantime, the farmers haven't got a the choice. They actually intensively search now for alternative um, energy um, generation, such as sun and um, even hydro as well as wind. And, and the, the more of them get off the grid from ESCOM, the bigger the problem will be became on the ESCOM side. Because this is payable. Clients, at the end of the day, I think all the clients that pay their electricity will be off the grid and the ESCOM will sit with all those people that don't pay. And what then? So mm. this is a very bad situation in South Africa at this stage. Mm.
1: I mean, Wendile, we've heard, of course, you know, the Reserve Bank saying that there are risks, of course, to the persistent power cuts, risks to the economy, to the country's economic growth in 2023. What's it looking like agriculturally when we look at the economy of the agriculture sector um, from what you've heard now from Benny?
0: Let let me underscore a a few points um, that Benny uh, has made with Mm -hmm. some numbers. Mm Mm-hmm. Because one of the things to to appreciate, firstly, is that when you look at at our range of commodities that we produce in South Africa, we produce about 36 uh, major agricultural products in the country. There's more when you count the smaller ones. But let's look at the grains. In the grains, about 20% of our maize is under irrigation. Soybeans, 15% under irrigation. Half of our wheat under irrigation. A third of our sugar. And of course, all of our fruits and vegetables are under irrigation. That means then that uh, when there are interruptions, of course, on electricity supply, um, that presents uh, a range of risks for farmers. But I do think that you may have to remember the point I made earlier where I was saying we're in a season now where we are looking at a third largest grain crop um, on record in, in, in South Africa. And we're also expecting the largest soybean harvest on record, which is around about um, uh, 2.7 million uh, tons that we are expecting. And we also have a good fruit um, that is coming out on the ground. I'm emphasizing this point to say, yes, there's a lot of pain, which uh, Benny has just alluded to, um, in terms of the cost on the farmers. But they've made some of the plans. And ESCOM, where they had flexibility, they were able to assist uh, the farmers to ensure that production um, happens. Because of course, this presented a risk uh, to us. To the listeners, for example, if they can picture the value of South Africa's agricultural sector, it's just over 200 uh, billion uh, uh, rand, And of course, uh, a third of that income that comes out of agriculture is directly linked to irrigation farms. So if you were to have a complete failure and no power supply, that would be a a big part, about a third of agricultural uh, uh, farm income. And when you think about then the livestock side, when you add dairy meat and others, that takes you over half of that. But we have heard what ESCOM calls uh, the load curtailment, and they are thinking about scheduled load shedding in areas where there's a concentration of farmers, not directly linked to communities. And they've been assisting a lot working what, under what they call the National uh, Energy Task Team for Agriculture. It's the agribusinesses organized agriculture in the Department of Agriculture, led by Minister Dedeza and DG Mokete ramasodi as well as the uh, senior management at ESCOM to think about how to assist agriculture. And that is, shows the appreciation of food security matters within ESCOM, within their limited resources, thinking about what should they do. So on the output side, over the foreseeable future, we've been able to do that. Not all farmers have been assisted. There might be some that are listening uh, who wonder what I'm talking about. But in some areas, there's already some inroads that are being made, which is why even the numbers of output that I was talking about looks the way they are. So, yes, uh, ESCOM, uh, the power supply is a risk to growth. But on the agricultural side, this year, uh, we actually, at the Agricultural Business Chamber, of South Africa, forecasting um, a growth of agriculture of 3% this year, which is an improvement mm-hmm. from 0.3% last year. Mm-hmm. This speaks to the output. It also speaks to the base effects of the um, modest growth that we're talking about last year. But if you were to look then on these large harvests that I'm talking about, but you compare that to the income that farmers are uh, get, Farmers' margins are still very squeezed, which is the point that Benny is alluding to. To say Mm -hmm. they've made a lot of plans, they've put some renewable or uh, um, uh, alternative in some areas. All of this has increased their cost. Some are actually running generators. On average, large commercial farming entities in January were spending as much as hundred thousand rand to buy diesel, run their, their extra generators medium-scale farming, family farms, they were spending about 10,000 rand on a monthly basis buying extra diesel so that they continue their operations. All of this then means while the output may be high, but profitability in the family farms and some of the large farming entities is pretty much squeezed, which is the same message that you hear when you talk to any businesses. So we're really under pressure on that perspective. But now let's look at all of this from an inflation perspective Mm -hmm. to say on a consumer side, How much pressures are these uh, uh, costs presenting there? And I think this is an important point that Benny made because Benny makes a point which I think listeners should remember where he says farmers are not price makers; They are actually price takers. So it doesn't matter how much cost they can incur, but they don't get to decide how much they sell a ton of maize. Markets decide what the price of maize will be, and the farmer will make a decision to sell or not, uh, which means then that you can incur higher cost-producing maize and be paid less if that's what the market forces will demand for your maize. Mm-hmm. So all of that then squeezes up to a certain extent the farmers. But the manufacturers are also not making money because they are also paying for all of these electricity costs. So they've been squeezed. But the other important thing though for a consumer is that the manufacturers have also not passed a lot of the cost to South African consumer. So far, I know this may sound crazy to some listeners because consumer food price inflation in South Africa is around about 14.4% if you think about food price inflation. Uh, but if you compare that with what we're seeing in the US, we're seeing in Europe, this was not an anomaly to South Africa. And given their cost pressures in South African manufacturing side, this gives you a signal that the firms in South Africa, if anything, they have absorbed some of the costs and are not fully passed on, because the issues were not only these domestic ones, but it was also higher global agricultural commodity prices that we were seeing, which of course now are starting to decelerate, and all of that benefit will come in the second half of the year. To the extent that for the whole year, we expect food price inflation in South Africa to average anywhere between seven and eight percent, which is a good moderation from the higher figure of about nine point five percent in twenty twenty two. So the picture going forward is, is constructive, but the cost pressures are, are are there as Benny was alluding to those points.
1: Mm. And Benny, you know, when you listen to what Wandile says about, you know, the economy and um, you know, the some of the challenges that you may face, but also it actually growing in the agricultural sector. Is this also what you would um, see and within the conversations that you would have generally with other farmers?
2: Yes, actually, I just came back from a, a very intensive tour through the Northern Cape. I do have uh, 11 different meetings in different um, environments and towns and talking to the farmers. It's from extensive um, um, sheep farmers up to um, great farmers as well as um, um irrigation farmers with maize um, next to the Orange River. Um, and the farmers have great concern about the balance within their um, finance situation. Um, Mandili actually alluded on a lot of issues, and I agree with him. Um, especially for the farmers now, they have this very huge crop, and they are very thankful for that, but it costs them. A lot of them use um, diesel generators, and that's very expensive to make sure that they keep their production process ongoing. So it's a very difficult situation. The one thing that I realize every time when I go for the country, and I do it quite often, go and visit the different provinces, talk to the farmers. I came this morning back from the eastern free state, talk to the farmers. Um, After I came back from the Cape, I go there as well. Um, And I realize every time that we should realize it's like, uh, a, a shop in the in the town, you cannot compare one shop with another one. Each shop is a business entity in its own right, and that's what I realize every time. That there is are different realities on a farm, the type of soil, the type of um, um, uh, the program that the, the farmer runs, his capacity, his skills, his experience that is built up over the generations, bring him in a position that he can make better decisions other than a new entry farmer. That is another type of pressure. So it's very difficult for um, new entry farmers to cope with these type of things if they don't have the capacity and the experience and the skills that is built up not only in a day's time but over time. And for the farmers, every farmer has his own challenges and he brings his problems to the table and then you have to bring some balance into that to make sure it's still a profitable unit. So this is a very complicated situation. We cannot generalize in one way or another, but we can, in certain circumstances, we can do it. But for the farmer, you have to be profitable. And then we talk about things such as economy of scale. Is his farm um, big enough? What is the climatical reality in the extensive areas where they don't have irrigation? Do they have enough rain? The the Northern Cape have now just came out of an eight-year drought. But now they don't have any sheep anymore. Now they have to build up their stock again. Mm -hmm. So it's very complicated for a farmer to keep on his farm, keep it intact and make sure he's profitable. At this stage Mm -hmm. they are not. So there's a huge challenge for them to overcome, to make sure that they will be perhaps in two or three years be on an economy of scale level again. So it's a lot of issues within the farming sector and each farmer has to cope with that and make plans to make sure that they can produce food for our consumers. And for me, once again, I want to emphasize on that, um, that the, the contribution from our agricultural sector, and then I talk about the whole value chain, is the input organizations is downstream and upstream, but the starting point of that is there's a productive farmer in production produce food for market. And all the other role plays are so important as well to make sure that we bring good enough and um, food that is not... Um, a lot of waste, it's, it's good, it's, it's notable it's, it's food that they can use to our consumers. So this is a whole chain that should be bringing balance all the time. And if something um, jumps out, such as this electricity supply problem, then you'd have immediately an impact on this, and then you have to make a judgment to sure make sure that you still keep your production process ongoing. So farming is a big challenge. And every time when I come back from the farms and I talk to the farmers, I got another lot of respect for them.
1: Mm. The way
2: they try to manage these things and make sure that they still stay in production.
1: Sure. I mean, there's so much that goes into it that I don't think we're aware of um, when it comes to getting that actual plate on your table or getting the food from you know a market um, on a daily basis. And Wanderlei, I then wonder... If with so much from what Benny has said and you've said that, you know, the economy and the agriculture sector is going to grow from what Benny has said and the the challenges that the farmers face. In your opinion, do you think the Department of Agriculture is doing enough and sees actually, you know, the amount of work that these farmers um, are putting in, but how much more they actually need to be able to survive on a daily basis?
0: So uh, I think the current minister, Minister, minister Tisa, uh, the Director General uh, Mokiza Ramasodi, they have deep appreciation mm. of the work um, that is happening in the farms, and I mean they are not strangers um, to all of our engagements. Regularly, they, they are interacting with farmers, organize agriculture, they talk to Bernie and their colleagues, so they, they 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 have the deep appreciation and and working with the sector to ensure that we are all growing. But I think that we, we also have to appreciate that some of the uh, problems that we face are cross-cutting, uh, which means that they go beyond the department. Benny lifts important points here, which the, even the miners are, are facing. We talked about the issue of our uh, road infrastructure. That is not an aspect that can be addressed by the Department of Agriculture, but those that are in transport, public works, And the others even the municipalities because it's so hard to drive in central free state now i was just thinking about going to NAMPU about how hard it will be and benny can tell you as he's driving around south africa he's having to use back roads that he hasn't used because the main roads that we used to use in small towns in rural south africa are in chaos in the free state in the eastern cape northwest so that's one part of the challenge that we are all facing the second issue of course it's around the security as it became clear even by yourselves at Power FM and the others have reported about some of these sabotage on on, on South African infrastructure. So there is a lawlessness that is happening in the country and that's something that needs to be rescued. And it may look like this is a political point, but the problem is on this issue, it has a direct impact on investment because you cannot expect me to increase my macadamia farm and all of these things if there's all kinds of lawlessness that is happening. So the Department of uh, the Police, as well as the Justice Ministry, they need to deal with that particular issue. And of course, the electricity aspect is affecting the entire economy, and I've already spoken onto on that. There are, though, other things that the Department of Agriculture can improve on, and, and I'm glad because in recent conversations I've just had with them, and as early as yesterday, they are working on these things around biosecurity that is affecting farmers. We talk about issues like foot and mouth disease, which is affecting uh, all of the livestock farmers. We talk about issues like African swine fever, which usually affects pig farmers, um, the, the, our pork sector, so, uh, avian influenza. These are all animal diseases that need to, to be dealt with. And the Department of Agriculture needs to be faster on improving some of the regulations, like something that we call Act 36 in agriculture that deals with the registration of certain Um, agrochemicals and seeds and the importation of that the department also needs to work on improving efficiency in entities that are under it like the OBP which is one of the state institutions that is supposed to produce vaccines it hasn't performed into satisfactory uh, pace um, over the recent past and it needs to be addressed so those are some of the issues that I think they understand we have lifted to them but Minister Patel as well Benny talked about the large output that is coming out we want export markets, because as we speak Cleo, today in South Africa, we are exporting about 51% of what we produce in value terms. So if we are going to continue to expand production and thinking about what we anticipate will come out of the fields in South Africa, in citrus, in, uh, in, in deciduous fruits, in grains in the coming years, we need to have more export markets for that, which is why this question to Minister Tudisa and Minister Patel to say, Open more markets in China, open mm. markets in India, in Saudi Arabia. Those are all interesting and exciting markets with buying power and growing population that we need to expand um, uh, our boot on. And let me close this point by an important clarification because I've seen it when I've posted it on Twitter where people say, look, you cannot be bragging about exporting while we have fellow South Africans starving. This doesn't mean you are taking food out of fellow South Africans and pushing out to the market. It just means that there's so much that we're producing and to sustain the production domestically, we need to earn some money. And if we keep the produce as abundant as it is in South Africa, it depresses prices. And of course, it means that that there wouldn't be enough income generated to cover the production costs for the next season. So you have to keep exporting to keep the prices at a particular rate, but also the demand to keep it healthy. So the export market issue is important, while the domestic market is also served, because the minute you export more and you create a shortage in your domestic market, the price is always a signal onto that. So we are not participating in that activity. We just have a surplus. That is a country we have to put in the export market. So mm. these are all wide-ranging issues, but I think these are dialogues that we're having. Benny, for example, within TLU, he plays an important voice on raising these issues with the department. And I think he can speak for himself there, but I do think that he's having regular conversations with the ministers um, on raising some of these things. I've been in various occasions with him on this.
1: Wondilis Sissobo, agricultural economist, um, I will release you at this very moment. Thank you so much for your time and your insights on such an important conversation. Thank you. Wondi Leseslobo is a agricultural economist and quite an interesting take to it, that the economy in agriculture is actually going to grow. But let's then continue our conversation with Benny Van Sale, the General Manager of Transvaal Agricultural Union of South Africa. And Benny, you know, you heard what um, Wandila was saying about, you know, the the minister and the deputy minister in the Department of Agriculture actually being more aware um, and cognizant of the work that farmers do. The discussions that you have with them, do you think that there'll be progress in, you know, things like what Wandila was saying, the export expansion, the land reform and things like that?
2: You know, um, this is where we perhaps get out to a more sensitive part of our discussion mm. um, and that is about policy issues. Mm. There's a lot of people within the department that make a huge contribution um, and we say thank you to them. I specifically myself have great respect for our DG. I think the Director General tries utmost best to do what he can to make sure that we keep agricultural alive. I think our Minister from her side is very open-minded we can discuss stuff with her my concern is the policy broad way, the broad policy in South Africa. Let me give you an example. Wandili put some emphasis on the reality that we need some investments, and for sure he's quite right. I agree 100% of him, and I have great respect for Wandili's viewpoint. He's a very open-minded economist. We need investments. But then it's very challenging if a government came with a type of emotional policy issues such as expropriation without compensation. A lot of people abroad, and we interact with them quite often, say to me, we want to invest in your country, but we are a little bit concerned. We cannot invest if the government creates legislation where they can take away my assets without paying me. I'm not willing to do that. And that's for me a pity. I think that we should be more economic-driven and less ideological-driven in our country. Because the last word is always being said by the economics. If you do it right, you will be there. If you do it wrong, the economics throw you off. The market forces you. Mm-hmm. If you like it or not, it's not your choice. It happened with everyone. With a cafe, with a factory, with a business, anything. Mm-hmm. With a farm as well. And that's my concern, that some of our policies is not sound. We do not build trust. It creates some uncertainty and we create not enough investments and the private sector to create jobs the government cannot in a sustainable manner create jobs and that is one of our from tlu side one of our great concerns is that our unemployment rate is rising every year every year because of the policy because people don't invest they don't create new jobs they don't create they don't create new opportunities for people to get jobs and that is for me one of the biggest issues that we should address in this country and then the government should put their hand in their own breast and say, "Let's go and look again to our own policy. Do we build trust? Do we build an environment where people want to get involved in this country's um, investment and building opportunities for people?" And that is something that is a very sensitive issue. As soon as you put that on the table, and um, they don't like it, but that is our reality. The policy of the ANC became too expensive for South Africa, and um, because. The people, especially the poor people, pay a very expensive price because of that, because the job opportunities get less and less and less. And we have to turn that around. And that is our pledge to government. Go and rethink about your policy and let's build the future on sound economic principles. Um, that is what, at the end of the day, gives us a better country.
1: So, you know, with the work and, and the export situation, do you agree with one delay that, you know, it, it needs to be expanded? More definitely needs to be done in order for farmers to get some return on investment.
2: I agree totally with him. As, as, as long as, and he means me, and I agree with him with that as well. Mm. As long as we have enough food for our people on the table in South Africa, that's the primary thing for me, because that brings stabilization, it brings some reality for people that they have food and they can actually go on. If our yeah, people in South Africa don't have food, um, I don't want to be part of that group to try and solve that anarchy that will break out. Food on the table is crucial for us. But after that, Bandiri is quite right, and I mean, he mentioned both of that. Um, we have to ex- ex- expand our export market because it brings a lot of um, financial um, kickback to our country, and we need that as well. So it's very really important to bring all these things in a balance, and that is for my, for, for us from our side something that we are great um, we are very thankful for um, people like Van and Agbas and other role players, BFAP and people like that to bring some stuff to the table that bring out a better policy environment. Because for me, that is the starting point of our problems. Is we have to we need a better policy environment that build trust. And we cannot so as I mentioned, expropriation of the compensation doesn't work like that. Because our constitution stipulates you can have private ownership, but then you get legislation, but I can take it to a paying you. It's a contradiction of terms. It cannot work like that. And I beg that our government should go and rethink about certain emotional, ideological approaches. And I understand where it came from. But that's not the solution on the long term not even on the short and medium term we have to build the economy growth 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 that should every decision should be tested what will be the impact on economic growth because you have to build the as they say this economic type bigger and bigger and bigger so that there is capacity to address our socio-economic problems our infrastructure problems and all these type of things and then one thing I want to mention, and that is sometimes when I talk to people, um, a lot of people, and that's not only white people, black people, all of us, it's, it's applicable to everyone, um, is that people want to get in a job and they want to be on the top immediately. But experience is crucial for any any job. In certain circumstances, it will take you 30 years before you are in a position, Understand that job to can do it efficiently and successfully. So, people have to learn that they have to grow within their job. But these, these days, the young people jump around on jobs and are six months a place and then they go to another place and then another place. They don't build experience. There's something that I just look from the side and it's for me quite a big question mark about building stability. So, this is a very complicated situation, and we need that these things should be all in balance. And people should accept the responsibility for what it entails to any one of us.
1: Benny, when we look at finances, right? I mean, we know that there's been a need for agricultural finance, particularly for developmental finance for new farmers. Do you think that has been given enough attention?
2: You know, this is a big challenge for us in South Africa. At this stage, our agricultural debt is about 205 billion rand. It's very high. It's, it's too high and I think we have to address it. That's my message every time when I talk to the farmers. and say, go and look to your profitability. Get your debt away. You have to work in that direction to make sure that you haven't got that big debt. We used to have the land bank. At this stage, the land bank is under a lot of pressure. From our side, we hope that they can manage to overcome their problems. I'm not so sure. I cannot make a decision this side or that side. I don't just like that just don't know. But we hope that they can manage again, because we need a, a financial institution that understands agriculture. But in these days, the other banks already start with the agricultural um, departments within the banking sector, already make that contribution. So you can go to another financial institution now as well. But in these days, because of a lot of failures, and we have to be honest about this as well, um, the way the government transfer land, A few years ago, they admit by themselves that 95% of that land goes out of production. Then something is wrong. You cannot do it like that. And that's my concern is in 2005, TLU made a a, a proposal to government, how we can help new entry farmers. And then you go through the whole process of how can we um, choose them, train them, support them, give the necessary finance with the stuff going from government, stuff like that, and giving the support with people that have the capacity and the knowledge to help them to make sure that they understand what they have to do. But government sweep it from the table, and we ask ourselves then why? Why didn't they, from all the proposals, and I look into everyone, that was for me still the best one. It was the late Dr. Chris Jordan that compiled that. It was a very, very good proposal. How you can bring in new entry farmers without with any other farmer and the pleasure because every year between 6 and 8% of the farms get into the market that we can buy it. And they said, let, let them give it a right of first refusal and help them to get those land. But government choose other way and then they make some um, programs that doesn't um, fly it's, mm. its failures. And we don't need that in South Africa. From our side, I think government should come and sit around the table of people such as Bandele, Agri-SA, tl a and those people that have the practical experience mm. of how to manage these things to success. Because our members are those people. They know how to do it. But government choose sometimes not the economics. They choose ideological pro- approaches. And that is not a good thing to do.
1: You of course can get in touch with us on zero eight six one nine eight seven triple zero. Any comments or questions you may have for Bernie Fancell, you can also send us a voice note on zero eight three three zero three seven zero nine three. Hi, toho evening, evening to everyone. Good evening. Kidding um, From Lombardy. I, do I know. don't get what your guest is saying. Or we should not be emotional about wanting land without compensation. Did they negotiate for now when they were taking the land from the landowners, owners? Uh, no, let's not be emotional now, we just want to take the land. Really now, it's one way the same. I mean, fair is fair. At the end of the day, we have to be intentional about wanting the land back. Right, that was Dinewa in Lombardy. I'm going to take a call, Bernie, before you respond to what Dinewa had to say. Lucas in Centurion, good evening to you.
3: Yes, how are you? Very and, well. Danny, you can't, you can't. I
2: can't. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: yeah, yeah, can, can you please tell me, Danny, out of the membership that you have, how many of your members are busy driving this program of set skills? Because we have uh, emerging farmers that are in place and they are struggling. And for you to touch the issue of policies and the issue of land theory, restitution, land this, all these land issues that they are talking about, because those is about political will. We on the ground... How can we change the situation and make sure that it caters each and every ordinary South African? Let's talk about emerging farmers. Are all some of your members in this program of ensuring that they help our emerging farmers, especially the previously disadvantaged, uh, from the previously disadvantaged communities? Are you having that campaign in order to share share skills and to help these emerging farmers? Are listening from the radio
1: lucas and centurion thank you for your call this evening bernie
2: yeah thank you um, first of all i think a farmer's obligation is to make sure that his own farm is successful and he's profitable and he will be in a sustained way um, in production. that's his first obligation and thereafter from outside we have already made a lot of contributions and that's, once again, my concern. And I, I beg government to rethink their approach. We go to certain previous homelands areas where the land is available, and we make a proposal that we will help the farmers there, we interact with them, and then we put this proposal on governments, and that was in provincial, on provincial level. Put it on the table, but nothing came out of it. So from our side, we are willing, working our capacity as long as it's, Something that we can do, you should realize the farmer still has to get his own farm in production. Thereafter, if he do have extra capacity, he can do that. But the other thing that we should take into consideration with this that, that we have extension services. But all of us know that our extension services at this stage are not very, really, very really sufficient. They do not help our farmers very effectively, but that's a pity. And that is when I was a young farmer, I still say today, I was four years on the farm, then they choose me as the farmer of the year in the Lampu province. And when they gave me that trophy, I said it's not for me, it's for the extension officers because I did just what they tell me to do. And you we have to have very efficient extension officers then. Where are they? And that's my concern that they are replaced by people that don't even know. I attend an extension offices conference once and it was for me. Actually, a pity to hear when they talk about the constraints and the hurdles that they experience in the field that one of the chief extension officers of one of the offices stands up and said My biggest problem is that nobody sent me on a course that I can learn how to farm. That extension farm officer can help nobody, not even it was a lady, not even herself, because he do not know what farming is going about. And that's not the way government should actually run extension services. So the people that should help farmers. Should be the extension services. But then all of us should, should, should put positive pressure on government to rectify that problem and make sure that we have the right people there to help our farmers and bring them into a process where they can make success. And that's very really important. That's the starting point. Mm. But all the other role players from our side, especially our commodity organizations, they have the specialized skills. We, as an organization, talk more about the policy issues. But our commodity organization, that is Grain South Africa, the Red Wheat Organization, um, all those, cotton and all those of them. Every organization, of all, every commodity do have an organization. Those organizations specialize on skills and training, research, to bring the best expertise to the farmers. And those are the places. And it's part of the whole agricultural value chain. We interact with each other. So the farmer should go to them if they want to do some cotton farming, go to the cotton, um, um, what do we call it, cotton South Africa, that's their name, and ask them, please help me, what should I do, what should I do, help me to do the right thing. And there are the skills actually um, catch up. So from our side, we talk about policy issues, and that is what we try to focus on. Mm-hmm. And that's our agreement within this agricultural um, environment.
1: Then there was the issue of the land without compensation from Dineo.
2: Sorry, the line was very soft. Can you just please repeat that remark of question? I cannot pick her up. Sorry for that.
1: Um, she had said something along the lines of how can you say we shouldn't be emotional about land without compensation? Um, what had, And I'm just really paraphrasing here. What about what, what you did um, when you took the land from Africans? I'm paraphrasing.
2: Yeah, this is how they to the thing We can talk about this, and I'm quite honest and open about this. Um, as the white people came from the South in South Africa, the black people came from the North. And we should be honest about it. It's written up in history books. The Khoi and the San people were here before all of us. And, so, and from whom did they buy the land when the black people came into South Africa? You know, we can go on and on and talk about these type of things with each other for months. And everyone has an argument. But at the end of the day, um, we have to realize that we need our agricultural land because comparing that with other countries in the world, other countries say we have a very marginal production country because of our land and our climatical issues, stuff like that. So we have to make sure that we keep our farming production lines intact. We have to make sure we produce food the best we can. And we haven't got a problem... If a farmer is white or black, or men or female, that's not my issue. I want successful farmers. And therefore, we bring that proposal to government so that we can help black farmers as well to become successful farmers. Why did government choose the other way around? Mm. And that's our concern. So to play the history, then we have to perhaps go to a court and put all the facts on the table and say, this is a true history. And that will bring us nowhere, because no one of these farmers... Have stolen his land. He buy it, get a title deed as this government gives them, and he actually makes a contribution to the economy and to food security in this country. So I think we should think about these things on another way around. My concern about the expropriation without compensation is to break down investment trust. That's my concern. We need investments in this country much, much more than we did get now. And President Ramaphosa mentioned now at his investment conference last week that we get the last five year more than a trillion rand in the country. But uh, economists, me and they go and look into the Reserve Bank, and they see the other side of the coin is that the amount of money that leaves the country is more than that. Day. So. He actually should be honest about it. I think it's 585 million rand more leave the country than get into the country because of uncertainty. So we have to build this country and stabilize it and to make sure that we create opportunities for all the people. And for sure, the land issue at this stage is a sensitive issue. People see it different ways. But then we are going to have to sit around the table and bring all the facts to the table and make sure what is the reality about it. Then we can talk about the different kind of rand, it all depends which language you use mm. we have to talk about that as well where the black tribes in those days kill each other and stuff like that and this not it will, it will bring nothing to the table for us let's build and give opportunities to people that is a real farmer that accept the responsibility it's not about land it's not um, it's not wealth not at all you okay. have to use land as one of the four production factors to bring those four things together it's the entrepreneur the farmer and find um, then, then your capital, your land, and your resources. And you have to bring those together and make profit. And with that profit, you pay taxes to government. That's the way the economy works. Mm. And it doesn't matter who you are. You have to apply to that whole process. Mm. So for us, we want to build the country and bring new entries in, new entry farmers in. But on the right manner, so that they have the opportunity for success, not as it is now, failure.
1: Benny Fancel, General Manager of Transvaal Agricultural Union of South Africa, thank you so much for your time.
2: I appreciate it. Have a nice evening and uh, every, everyone that has this nice meal, say thank you to all the farmers. We appreciate them. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to a Power 98.7
0: podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.